This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is a hard business. Content is not one because you spend more. Content has to be good. Uh, Netflix had a huge lead over everyone else, but eventually the media industry realized that they needed to compete. And they have advantages like they have brands, they have uh, sitcom libraries, they have ad sales. So we look at the model, and this is the first time I could ever say is, you know, our confidence in the forward model is so low. On April 19th, the leading streaming service Netflix reported their earnings. And to the astonishment of a lot of people, including myself, the company reported that they lost 200000 net subscribers that quarter, and they forecasted an additional loss of 2 million subscribers next quarter. Now, after this Netflix news of the company basically crumbling and the stock price going down 50% plus, there's been endless analysis on what Netflix needs to do, what they need to change, how they need to compete with HBO Max, and how they need to compete with Hulu, and so on and so forth. Lots of people doing specific analysis of how Netflix needs to change their business model. It's gotten to the point where it's almost Almost like an intervention where all the online personalities have have come together and said, Netflix, you gotta change. In my expert opinion, and it pains me to do this, I'm going to have to diagnose Netflix with shitty content disease, but it doesn't mean it's terminal yet. Critical here, for example, diagnoses Netflix with shizzy content disease. He does believe that they have a chance to, to make it out of this, though. Now, critical here in the online community might be right. Maybe Netflix's content isn't up to snuff, and the stock price certainly reflects that. It's down a staggering 72% from its November highs. Just back in November, this stock traded a above $680 a share. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of reasons to uniquely criticize Netflix and their business model. The company's clearly been lacking in their direction. But there's one more unique thing about Netflix that's very specific to this company. It is the first major company to report ahead of the earnings season. They reported on April 19th. So this is before almost every other company reports their earnings. And that means that Netflix is unique in being the first one to report. And oftentimes you really don't know what to expect because there's no other company to gauge your earnings reports based off of. Netflix is just going in without any context. Now that we've had a couple more companies report their earnings, I've noticed a common theme, something that I think is a bigger concern than just Netflix. I've noticed that we're in a content bubble that is starting to explode. That's right. I believe we're in a content bubble and that bubble right now is being popped. Now hear me out here. Let's consider the evidence. One of my biggest holdings is Microsoft and they just reported earnings. Microsoft's earnings were frankly amazing. As usual, as you would expect with this company, they reported earnings that beat both in the top line revenue, the bottom line earnings, and they're growing their Microsoft cloud business like crazy. Do you realize that Microsoft's cloud business has a revenue run rate of $93.6 billion per year? Just in their cloud business, they're almost revenuing over $100 billion per year. And to give that some perspective, this $93.6 billion is more in revenue than Microsoft did in its entire business in 2016 just five years ago. So Microsoft's cloud business has grown to be this juggernaut, and the company is doing fantastic. Now, 
This was the headline news. This is what everyone looked at. Is Microsoft's Office Suite doing well and their cloud business doing well? But after listening to the earnings call of Microsoft, something caught my attention. Microsoft gives their forecasts for next quarter. They say, in Windows commercial products and cloud services, customer demand for Microsoft 365 and our advanced security solutions should drive growth in the low double digits. That's consistent with their previous growth. They say in Surface, revenue growth in the low double digits. That's consistent with their history. They say in Search and News Advertising, we expect revenue growth of approximately 20%. That's pretty decent growth, 20% growth. But here's where Microsoft gets to the content portion of their business, the gaming portion. Remember that Microsoft is a massive gaming company. In fact, they're literally going to be the second biggest gaming company in the world. They say, and in gaming, we expect revenue to decline. It's going to decline in the middle to high single digit driven by low engagement hours year over year, as well as constrained console supply. So they blame some of this on the fact that they're having problems making enough consoles, but they also highlight something very important there, lower engagement. That's the technical way of saying that less people are playing video games now. They say we expect Xbox content and service revenue to decline to mid single digits. Now it's going to be growing at mid single digits. So the growth in the Xbox and content category of Microsoft has basically dried up for the time being. Low single digits is very slow growth. So, so far we know that Netflix is losing subscribers and they're forecasting 2 million loss in subscribers next quarter. But now we have Microsoft saying that they're going to have lower engagement than anticipated. And the content and service revenue of the Xbox will decline to mid single digits. So this is where I'm starting to think that we might have a general issue with a content bubble. Maybe these issues are broader than just Netflix alone. Now moving on, we can look at the next piece of evidence. Google reported earnings and their earnings were actually a miss. They missed on the top line and the bottom line. Now overall, this wasn't a big miss. And don't get me wrong, Google's doing great. This company's in great shape right now. And they just announced $70 billion in share buybacks. So they're gonna be pouring free cash flow into buybacks. And I see this company as a very strong buy right now. Now, aside from all that, there was one interesting part about Google's earnings report. The weak part of the company, in fact, the weakest part of the company was YouTube. That's right. YouTube had the slowest revenue growth. YouTube missed its numbers by the biggest margin. The earnings of Google was barely a miss, and this was mostly caused by investment, not by operating income. So I wouldn't read into this EPS miss too much. The revenue was barely a miss, 68.01 billion versus 68.11. That's $100 million out of a $68 billion revenue. The cloud services actually beat. Google's cloud is growing like crazy. 5.82 billion versus 5.76. That's good news for cloud. But then we get to the YouTube portion of Google. Again, this is the content portion of the company. 6.87 billion versus 7.51 billion. They almost missed by a billion dollars. That's a pretty substantial miss. Now to give this some perspective, YouTube is still growing, but the growth rate was much slower than anticipated. In Q1 of 2022, this is just the most recent quarter, it grew by 14%. Now the quarter before that, YouTube grew by 25%. The quarter before that, it grew by 43%. The quarter before that, it grew by 83%. So we go from 83 to 43 to 25 to now 14. The deceleration and growth of YouTube has been pretty substantial. So after reviewing all three of these earnings reports, I'm starting to see a common theme here. The part of the business that's struggling is content. 
That's the common theme. Now, unfortunately for Netflix, their entire business is content. So their entire business is struggling. For Microsoft, only a small part of their company's content, just the Xbox and entertainment part. So even though that part of the company gave really weak guidance and it's clearly slowing down, overall, Microsoft is doing just fine because that plays a small role. And again, with Google, overall, the company's growing at a brisk pace, 20% year over year. Cloud's growing like crazy. The big part of the company that was a weakness was the content part of the company. Now, after seeing the content part of these companies do poorly, I was very interested in how Warner Bros. Discovery did. This is a new big content juggernaut that's going to be competing with Netflix and Hulu, and they just reported earnings yesterday after hours. Well, wouldn't you know, the company's down 7.5% today, and that's with the market currently in the green across the board. So Warner Bros. Discovery is following that trend of content not doing too well. So I listened to Warner Brother Discovery's earnings call, and I was looking for anything in this earnings call where they talk about churn or engagement or issues keeping people engaged to their content. That's what I was trying to find out. And here's a clip from that call from Gunner, one of the executives, talking about the struggles they're facing with engagement and churn. But we want to get it right. It's critical because, you know, we could have uh, a, a record-breaking number of people watching Euphoria but we want to make sure that when they finish Euphoria, if we have the goods, if we have all this great content on, that we, we, we're ability, we have an ability to recommend to people, you just finished Euphoria, here's the other eight shows that, that you would love, whether it's Chip and Joe, whether it's Oprah, whether it's 90 Day Fiance, or whether, or whether it's Minx or, or, or uh, um, another great HBO Max series. But we have some work to do on the platform itself uh, that will be significant. But we also think that one of the big opportunities here is going to be churn reduction. He says that when you finish a show on HBO Max, they want to recommend all these great shows that are somewhat similar to the one you just finished to keep you on the platform. Because obviously a big opportunity, a big issue they're facing is churn, meaning people leave the platform, they unsubscribe. This is the same exact issue that Netflix is facing, but Netflix is at a much bigger scale. Churn is a serious issue for any subscription company, especially competitive media companies. And he highlights how churn has been much higher recently than they've ever seen before. There's meaningful churn on HBO Max, uh, much higher than the churn that's, uh, that, that we have seen. And so the, the ability for us to come together is part of one of the theses here that managing churn, and we've seen this because we've been at it in Europe for eight years, as you begin to manage churn in a meaningful way, um, that provides uh, you know, a, a real, uh, real meaningful growth. Did you hear the key thing that he said there? The churn on HBO Max is much higher than the churn that we've seen before. Now, it's interesting that HBO is also having churn issues. After all, HBO is supposed to be the highbrow entertainment with the high quality. They don't have all the garbage shows on this service like Netflix does. Remember, Netflix is doing poorly because of its bad content. Netflix has been funding basically anything made by someone with a pulse. And even that seems to be spotty. It feels like they're funding scripts written by... AI. Everybody sees that HBO and Netflix are different companies and they have different products. HBO makes high quality stuff and Netflix in many cases makes low quality stuff. But the thing that they seem to have in common is a common problem. 
and that is churn. So we can try to get into the nitty gritty and see what every one of these individual companies are doing wrong. But I think people doing that are actually looking too nuanced and too specific, and they're not looking at the glaring problem abroad. It is a content bubble problem. Netflix isn't struggling because it suddenly has low quality content. That was the issue. Then how do you explain HBO Max with their high quality content and even a higher level of churn than Netflix? If this was simply a content quality problem, then how do you explain Xbox having significant deceleration? This is a gaming platform, and games have literally never been better than they are today. Is it because Xbox suddenly doesn't have a good offering? Well, I don't think so. I don't think it has anything to do with that, because we also have Google having YouTube being the biggest part of their company that misses, and YouTube has never had a year where it's produced more or higher quality content than last year. So personally, I don't think this is an issue having to do with low quality content or high quality content. I don't think it has to do with the Xbox in particular versus the PlayStation, what exclusive games they have. I don't think this has anything specifically to do with TikTok either. I think overall, we are in a content bubble because of a significant lingering overhang from COVID. Michael Burry tweeted about this problem and how it plays a bigger role than what's going on specifically with these individual companies. He says, quote, this is the problem. The last 18 months, the government has given out $850 billion in direct stimulus checks, $400 billion in cash out refinances, one plus trillion dollars in forgivable loans. 250 to 500 billion are fraudulent. Another $4 trillion in indirect, etc. What recapitalizes the consumer now? Higher wages can't do that. I think Dr. Burry's 100% accurate with this tweet. People are given a free pass over the past 18 months. They were given endless amounts of money. You look at these numbers and they're incomprehensible. The government gave away trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions over the past 18 months. That's so much money to capitalize the consumer. That's a lot of money that makes it so people can stay home, not worry about work, sit home and consume endless content through Xbox Live, through HBO Max, through Netflix, through YouTube, through every other source, every other podcast, every other avenue. And that endless capitalization of the consumer, enabling them to stay home and consume content endlessly, I think has led to a lot of booming numbers and booming growth that simply can't be sustained. So what's clear to me now is that we're still seeing the effects, the overhang of the COVID lockdowns, the overhang of the massive capitalization that happened to consumers. We're still seeing those effects hit the companies and their earnings reports. And what I see right now is the content portion of that starting to diffuse. So now when I'm looking at the different companies that I'm investing in, I'm trying to determine which ones are going to continue to have that overhang effect, which ones are going to get damaged as we return back to a pre-COVID era. When I look at Apple and Microsoft, it's true that both of them have their hands in content. Apple has their Apple TV+, Plus. they have Apple Music, but in reality, that is a pretty small portion of their business. Apple has so many different businesses that they're growing that I don't think this company is too exposed to content, nothing to the extent of a Netflix or an HBO. We have Microsoft, but the big story with Microsoft is their cloud and their office tools. That is what's driving the major growth and the profitability of the company. In consumer, I have one company that is heavily focused on content, which is of course Disney. And wouldn't you know, this is one of the companies that so far isn't doing well. I'm currently down around $5,000 on Disney. Disney has their earnings report May 11th, so we have some time to wait for this one. 
And I assume that their earnings report is actually going to be decent. I think they'll beat their EPS number because their parks operation. And I think they'll beat their revenue estimates because again, their parks are completely packed. But the big story with Disney is their streaming services. And in my opinion, I think there's a strong chance that Disney will fall into some of the same issues as these other companies. I think they're going to deal with a heightened level of churn. Disney has an advantage over established streamers like HBO and Netflix. They have less subscribers as their total base. So the fact that they have less subscribers as their total base means that they have more room for growth. So Disney will probably continue to grow at a brisk pace right now. But under the hood of Disney+, Plus, if you're able to look at their subscriber growth and their churn numbers, I would make the strong assumption that they're facing a heightened level of churn like every other streaming company. So I'm going to continue to hold Disney as of now because I think they're a diversified company and their parks operation, I believe, will put up very good numbers. But having said that, I think that this year and this upcoming season might be difficult for their subscriber growth. And outside of Disney, I don't hold any other companies that I believe have their hand in content. The core category doesn't, restaurants don't, real estate doesn't, and financials don't. So my big exposure to the content category is through big tech and Disney. So if you're investing right now, I think that there's something important to keep in mind. The companies that have benefited from the 2020 lockdowns and from massive capitalization of consumers are likely going to continue to get hurt over the next year. Whether that's in content or different categories, I think the same theme will apply. Any company that benefited from the lockdowns and from COVID is likely going to see a precipitous deceleration in their growth. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Other than that, I'll see you next time.